And will you join me in a time of prayer? God, thank you for what you have been doing in our lives. Thank you for what you are doing now. And thank you for what you have yet to do. May you continue to speak to us in this time and in this season. We ask this through your son's mighty name. Amen. What did y'all love when you were 10? 10 is closer for some of us than others. <laughs> the year I was 10, I, uh, I discovered the art section of my local library. And often my babysitter would lose us in the library, and but she always knew where to find me because that's where always I was, in the middle of the aisle with all the books open all around me. I was looking at paintings and books. That's the year I fell in love with art. Um, there's an art style called pointillism. It's a painting technique. Do any of you know it? Some of you do. Don't worry, I brought some pictures in just a second. It's where the painter applies small dots of color to the canvas in a pattern to form an image. And so when you stand really close, all you see are the dots. You can see what colors do you see there? Red and blue and green and some yellow, maybe even a little bit of white. And you're not allowed in many art museums, but if you stand up close, this is all you see, right? But as you get farther out, as you step away, maybe you're being nice to give somebody else a turn close to the painting. Um, you're able to see less detail, but you're able to see more of the composition on the painting itself until you step all the way back and you can see the full picture. Y'all know this one? This painting is called A Sunday on the Grand Jatte. I'm sorry for my French. <laughs> It's by a painter called Georges Seurat. He's an impressionist painter. He's widely considered the father of pointillism. So this is a really cool painting technique. Have any of you ever tried it? With markers or paint or, you know, whatever you have on hand. It's a really cool painting technique, and it's cool to just think about it as a, as a technique, but it was actually Seurat, I learned this when I was doing research for this message, he was commenting by fracturing and fragmenting his paintings with little dots of art on the way our lives in our communities are fractured and divided from one another. I thought that was really cool. And that made a lot of sense to me because it seems to me like a lot of times our lives are like that, aren't they? They feel fractured. They feel chaotic. Are you always going somewhere? Like always, always have somewhere to go. You have always something to do. When was the last time you had a day where you had nothing on your calendar? Right, it's hard to remember. We're always with someone. We are always listening to something. We're always reading something. There's always something to fill your time with. Amen, amen. <laughs> And that's the pace of life post-pandemic. You know, I remember thinking in early 2020, I would just really love to go somewhere. <laughs> I would just really like to be able to do something. That would be really nice to put on real pants and go out of the house. That'd be great. But now, post-pandemic, the pace of life is breakneck, isn't it? There's always something to fill our time. And it seems to me like in a lot of ways... What that has done to our lives, it has forced us to focus on individual moments, individual things, individual appointments, individual activities and opportunities, individual dots in the painting that is our life. 
We're focused on health, our health diagnosis, or on a grade in school, or on this relationship, or on that report that we have to generate for work, or on this thing that we heard on the news, or all the things that we have to accomplish in our task list today, or that thing that I forgot to do, or that, that email that I didn't send. We're focused on all the little dots of our lives because that frenetic pace that we live requires this. We're really close to the picture. And it's really easy to live your life that way, isn't it? You get to the end of the year and you think, well, how did it already get to the end of this year? You get to the end of the next one and the year after that, life speeds up. It's really, really easy to live our life focused on those individual moments, activities, opportunities, ideas, focused on those little dots. Keeping the big picture in mind is really hard to do. Maybe it's even tough to think about that opportunity at all. It's easy to give into a temptation. It's easy to give into a harmful habit. It's easy to ruminate on a hurtful comment when all that we see is the moment that is right in front of us. And it can be really easy then to keep on doing the thing that you've always been doing short term, even if you know it's not really helpful, but because you don't have the time and space in your life to learn to see or to learn to do or to learn to know differently. Have y'all heard this story about Jesus before, this one that we read from Matthew 4? It might be familiar to you. It might not be. So here Jesus is in the desert for a 40-day period of fasting and reflection. You've ever wondered why Lent is about 40 days? This is why. This story right here. So he's made time for prayer. He's made time to take a step away and step back. And what he's doing in these moments is orienting himself to the bigger picture before he prepares for the cross. And there he meets the devil who puts before him some incredibly tempting opportunities. I like to think about this like, you know, if, if Jesus' life was a game show, maybe this particular part would be the prices, right? You know, the devil is revealing to him all the fabulous prizes that he could win. Here are all of your best opportunities, Jesus. And Jesus is able to say no to every single one of the opportunities put before him. Turn this bread into a stone, Jesus. Easy peasy. You're hungry? Here you go. No. Throw yourself down from this great height and see if the angels will catch you, Jesus. No. Worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus. No. And Jesus is able to say no to all of this, not only because he is God's son. That's absolutely right. It's absolutely true. But I'm curious when I read this story, I wonder... I wonder if maybe one of the other reasons he's able to say no is that he knows who he is. And that he knows what he's about. He's asked himself those big picture questions like, what am I here for? Where's my life going? Am I living into the purpose for which God has called me? He understands his big picture. He has his eyes and his ears and his heart all pointed toward a place that helps him see what's really important and what's not. He's able to see the big picture, not just the individual dots of his life. So he's able to say no to providing for himself because he already understands he can trust God for everything that he needs. And he's able to say no to testing God's limits because he already knows that God is going to show up for him in every time of need. He's, he's able to say no to worshiping other things that aren't God because he knows that there are things that are more important than power. He knows who he is. And he knows what he's about. 
and he knows what's actually important. And I really appreciate reading stories like this because they force me to ask the question, do I? Do I? Do I know who I am? Do I know what I'm here for? Do I know what I'm about? Do I have my heart, my eyes, my mind on the big picture? And am I taking the time to practice seeing and hearing and listening? Because here's the truth about our lives, friends. Unless we make time to see the big picture, unless we take that step back and look at our lives big picture, unless we make time, all we're going to do is live a life focused on individual dots. That's just the truth. Nobody's going to do it for us. Unless we make time, it's always going to be tough for us to see ourselves for who we really are and to see our lives for what they really are and to see our world for what it really is and to understand God for who God is and to see ourselves as God sees us. We're always going to be too close. And so that's what this season is for. That's what Lent is for. It's a practice of stepping back together and stepping back as individuals, as followers of Jesus. That's what this time, this evening begins. It's a time to practice learning to see, learning to hear, and learning to know the big picture of our lives. And it's a time to do all of that with honesty about ourselves before God, not judgment about ourselves before God. We use a lot of language about repentance but God invites us to that not because God doesn't like who we are now, but because God knows who God has called us to be. And God desires for us to move closer to that. So we are honest before God about ourselves in the light of God's love and grace. We've got 40 days to do this work if we're willing to take the step back and do it. I'm curious how God might transform us as individuals and us as a church community in that time. In our tradition and in the broader Christian family, we have two practices that help us to do this work of seeing the bigger picture. And the first is a step back that we do as a body of believers. It's a step away from a time, for a time, from those things that don't bring us closer to God. This is language that we often use called fasting. We think about fasting as stepping away from a food how many times did you give up chocolate for Lent when you were a kid? Anybody have a mom who did? I know I shouldn't call out my parents. She might be watching online, but there you go. We remove from our life habits and practices and even things that draw us away from God. We take a step back. Things that take our time, things that take our energy, things that remove our focus. So I already gave you these questions on Sunday, but I'll give them to you again. You can ask yourself at the beginning of this time, Ash Wednesday, what's something in my life that distracts me from God? What's something in my life that distracts me from paying attention to how God is moving and where God wants to work? Is there a way that I can remove that from my life for this season, for these 40 days? So the first practice is taking a step away, and the other practice is taking a step toward, which is sort of counterintuitive to the message of this painting. But taking a step toward those things that are going to bring you closer to God. Adding things into your life, habits and practices that draw you closer to God's heart. 
things that you feel that you don't have time for in a normal season that you can make time for now that are essential to our growth long term. And so you could ask yourself here, is there a habit or a practice that might help me notice God's presence in my life during this Lent? Now, we could stop there. We could stop and say, good luck. <laughs> Figure it out. We'll see you on Easter. We're not going to do that. We're here to do this work together. We're here to grow together. And so we want to be a resource for you. We're, we'll be here each and every Sunday with opportunities and ideas and practices. But we'll also be here throughout the week. So every Thursday, every Thursday in March, it's a nice, tidy package. Every Thursday in March is a Thursday in Lent. So we'll be here at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Thursdays in March. And we're going to be doing prayer practices together. There will be a different practice each and every week. You'll get some opportunities and some instruction and some guidance from the pastoral staff and some of our wonderful prayer team members. There will be an opportunity for you to go deeper as you ask yourselves the questions of, what am I here for? What has God called me to? And where is the bigger picture of my life pointing? So the invitation for you, friends, as we begin this time of reflection is let's take a step back together and let's get close together to a God who is not afraid to get close to us in Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Hear now these traditional words of invitation as we consider observing a Lenten discipline together. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the day of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism, and it was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and who had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and they were restored to life in the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded, not just some, but all. All were reminded of the mercy and the forgiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need that we all have to renew our faith. So we invite you, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent by stepping back, self-examination and repentance, fasting and self-denial, in stepping forward, prayer, and reading and meditating on God's holy word. So to make a right beginning of our repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature, we'll now kneel or bow in body or mind or spirit. You can stay in your seats as you take a moment of silence and honesty before God our creator. And then Pastor Pete will lead us in a thanksgiving and instructions before we receive the ashes. Take a moment of silence now.